Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. All right, well, we're back. Hey, guys, this is Curtis Campbell, one of the normal suspects on the Digital Transformation of Business podcast. I'm joined by Chuck Keeler. But we unfortunately have lost Mike Tippett's for this week's episode. So we've found a great fill-in, one of our product managers of our interactive distance learning and learning and development solutions, Carl Malone. Welcome, Carl. Hey, thanks, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. We've got a great topic lined up for you guys today. We're going to be spending most of our time talking about learning and development, but really one specific aspect, one that's more hot these days, and that's the advantages of AR and VR when it comes to learning and development. So, Carl, if you would, given your expertise, if you could give the audience kind of an overview of what AR and VR is and how it applies to really your area of expertise. Yeah. Thanks, Curtis. So there's essentially three components to the technologies you talked about, and they're super hot right now. Everybody's talking about them, but they do need a little definition. First of all is virtual reality. And this is where a user has some sort of a headset where their entire field of vision is blocked off and they only see what's available to them in the virtual reality headset. And usually there's, there's audio components to that too. They're wearing headphones. So it's a way to completely replace the environment the user is in or the learner is in with a virtual environment via sight and sound. So that's virtual reality. Or VR. Or VR. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> Another component is augmented reality or AR, and this is where I can take something I can see through maybe a camera, uh, like on my phone, and overlay information on top of it. The game Pokemon Go is a great example of this. It's where I take something I can see, you know, in the camera of my phone, and my phone overlays information on top of it. So this is perfect for performance support, or there's a lot of great examples of augmented reality use. Super popular right now. A lot of phones have this built in already. Ikea has an app where they can show you what your furniture looks like in your house through your phone. So augmented reality is very hot, and it's probably the broadest reaching of the technologies we're going to talk about. For many reasons, but primarily, probably, everybody has a device in their pocket that's, at least the current devices, are AR-enabled. They can superimpose objects and animations onto what you see through the camera lens, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's inexpensive, it's cheap, it's great impact. The third is kind of this more advanced version of augmented reality, and this is called mixed reality. And this is where we have something like a, a high-end headset like a Google Glass or a Magic Leap or a HoloLens where somebody is wearing a dedicated headset they see the world as normal, but the headset is projecting information about the world they see in front of them. So you're looking through a piece of glass or a couple pieces of glass into the actual world. There's no video, but then on top of that, there's a projected image or video that lines up perfectly with the objects in the room, right? Would that be a fair? Yeah, that, that, that's perfect. That's exactly right. And maybe not line up perfectly with objects in the room, but maybe just be somehow giving you relevant information to what the task you're supposed to be doing okay. or something you're supposed to be seeing. So let me ask a million dollar question here is you have been involved in the training and learning world and the overall employee communication world for many years now. And you've obviously been able to see trends like this come and go, right? So what what about this is making it the next big trend? Because, I mean, we know that VR... It's been around for a little while, right? We know that AR has been around for a little while. And we also know that in some cases it can be very expensive and very complicated to deploy. So why all of a sudden is the learning and development world paying attention to this? And why do you believe this is the next big thing for that industry? I think 10 years ago, something like virtual reality, what you're right, was prohibitively expensive and it wasn't very good. 
You might be trying to build an experience to enhance somebody's training, but it just looked terrible. It was janky. It was not a good experience, essentially, for training. So now the technology is so much better. Video is so much better. Processing power on the devices is so much better. I don't have to have huge, dedicated computers. I can have a VR solution just strapped to my head. So the technology is getting cheaper. The display and tracking technology is getting so much better. So it's just kind of hitting a nice sweet spot where we can start to leverage this to do some really, really interesting training experiences. Right. What used to cost $10,000 can cost now $200. Yeah, it's incredible. For example, with fewer cables or no cables and no dedicated computer and no sensors. I mean, it's really come a long way in a short amount of time. Recently, the eLearning Guild put out a document just a couple of weeks ago. It's fairly new called Augmented and Virtual Reality for Behavior Change. The concept around this document is to kind of fill in the gaps where, you know, the technology is getting cheaper. It's still kind of expensive. You know, if I'm a company that has tens of thousands of employees being able to use this, I need to find just the right use case. So I'm leveraging the technology, but getting the most bang for my buck out of it if I want to be an early adopter. So maybe for the benefit of the audience, Carl, I'd be really interested because I'm. And this is relatively new to me too. Maybe walk us through a cool use case for this. So there's actually a few cited in this document for what we call behavior change. So there's training, you know, getting people to understand skills, being able to leverage technology or whatever to do their job. But the core of all training, the core of a lot of training is being able to change behaviors. And this document calls out five excellent ways to change behavior using uh, augmented, and they mostly focus on augmented reality and virtual reality, not so much on mixed reality. The first scenario they talk about is empathy building. You don't really think about training people to be empathetic, but they came up with a couple good scenarios. The first one is healthcare. So if I'm a healthcare provider, one thing that happens, especially somebody going to medical school, for example, they're studying to be a doctor, as they hit the final legs of their education program and then their residency, the empathy for what their patients are going through kind of drops off. You know, they kind of get hardened. They kind of get a little, they have to toughen themselves up because it's a very, very challenging field emotionally. So their empathy levels kind of drop off. So there's a couple of VR scenarios for helping win back that empathy. For example, one of the first ones they cite is panic disorders. So it's really difficult to have a caregiver understand what a panic disorder feels like. You know, if I'm in a virtual reality, I have uh, certain sounds. There's a vest you can wear that gives like certain vibrations or certain pressures that really help to simulate what somebody who's experienced a panic attack feels like. You know, a really hardened individual could be not very sympathetic to someone having a panic attack, something as unrelatable if you don't have anxiety issues. It's a very unrelatable thing, but having this VR experience and the physical interaction with this whole experience can really change somebody's perspective when it comes to empathy. So it goes far beyond the uh, printed document or even a video that you watch on a screen. This puts you in the shoes, more or less, of the patient and gives you multi-sensory experiences that allow for you to go beyond just learning about these challenges that the patients have. Yeah, and there's, there's a ton of use cases for this, too. They cited a few more examples in the article. Macular degeneration, you know, as, as we get older, we lose some of our vision. Being able to give somebody an AR headset or a mixed reality headset that kind of shows them what the world looks like to someone who's going through macular degeneration it can really help them understand what it's like to be that person. 
distortions and spots and other things exactly. you might see or not see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought one of the really cool examples they used for this emotional treatment, well, it was called Becoming Homeless. The study that was done by Stanford, and they allowed people to really go through some of the things that people go through when they lose their job or when they can't find a job, when they lose their home, when they have to sell their possessions, when they have to look for shelter, when they have to find food, provide for their family. Things that we all know will be troubling if it ever happens to us. We all understand that those things are difficult. But when you're in that environment and you really have to struggle to do those things, the stats of the study are really profound that if you describe these things on paper and you read them, you have a decent amount of response from the test audience. You know, like 60%, I believe, said that they are now more empathetic towards the homeless. But when you put these people into the virtual environments, the numbers are like 85 plus percent sympathy for the homeless. And so a great opportunity for maybe a nonprofit organization or government agency addressing certain social problems is to get people into the virtual environment and let them experience these things kind of firsthand, sort of, in a virtual way. One of my colleagues was at a conference a couple of weeks ago in, in D.C., and one of the vendors there was giving a presentation on using virtual reality to help train employees for emergency situations. Mm -hmm. And this kind of switches to the next section in that article where it's experiencing consequences. So they were giving the experience of what it's like to be held up. You know, what happens when somebody comes into the store and actually tries to rob the store? And this is something you, like you mentioned, Chuck, a minute ago, this is something you can certainly train for. You can certainly read about it. You can watch videos. You can answer questionnaires. But when it actually happens to you, you really don't know how you're going to react. So the scenario is somebody comes in with a gun, you know, what do you do? And so not necessarily empathy building, but how can it help reinforce all the things we're trying to get our employees to learn? Or how do we really drive that scenario home? A couple other examples they used was for the importance of keeping the emergency exits clear. So in case there's a fire or something's going on, I need to be able to evacuate the building quickly. And they cite this in the paper. They did a study where individuals were given a virtual reality scenario where they had to exit a building in an emergency, but everything was fine. There were The lights were fine. There was no smoke. They just were able to evacuate the building. But when learners were given a much more intense experience, there was smoke, there was flashing lights, there was darkness, there were people panicking, you know, screams in the background. Stuff people, in the way. Yeah, and... stuff in the way. Then it gave a much more visceral, much more impactful experience of what it's like to try to evacuate a building when it's actually on fire. And the people who experienced this, they had elevated heart rates, they were nervous. It really, really did drive this scenario home, how important it is to keep the emergency exits clear and make sure the lights are lit. It was a very interesting use of the technology. You touch on something that you can monitor the different vital signs of a person, right? You could monitor heart rate and you could monitor different things, which is really key to the data. You can say, hey, our audience had a drastic shift in, in their vital signs when this happened and when this happened, but not when this happened. And if you want to help them with anxiety, for example, and you want to reduce their stress or anxiety, and you say, okay, along the way, three or four sessions in, we saw a dramatic drop in stress and anxiety with these vital signs that we're monitoring. That's a pretty powerful thing, right? I mean, that's pretty impactful. Especially when you tie it into the longer term goals of why you're actually doing that training. So if you go back and retest 
your learners and to see how well they retain that information. Sure, it might have been really exciting at that time, but did it impact how they remembered what they needed to remember, say, maybe six weeks from now? That's where the data gets really interesting to see if that stressful experience or the relaxing one really made an impact and helped them remember what we were trying to train them in the first place. Now, one might say in that scenario that you described with the smoke and the disaster and you have to get out of the building and you have to help people, one might say that that can be learned sufficiently well through a video or through instruction or written document. And those things may contribute to a pretty good understanding of the situation. But I just want to say that when you put that headset on and you're faced with something difficult, it is more real than you would ever think. And the example that I would use, I was at a show one time, and before I'd ever really used virtual reality in any serious way, I was in a situation where we had to walk across a virtual bridge that was made with thin rope and broken boards, and it's all virtual, of course. But we're walking in this environment, and it looks like it's a really tall mountain range, and we're on top of a cliff, and this bridge crosses this huge canyon, and we have to step onto these boards, and we have to walk across this thing. And I'll tell you, we knew that it was a solid ground. We knew that we were at ground level. We knew we were in an empty room. But taking that step was absolutely terrifying, and some people could not do it. Some people had to take off the headset to get across that virtual bridge. The reason I say this is that it's far more real than you might think. I mean, we're talking to the point where people are brought to tears if they're in a situation that's that difficult for them. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, you could obviously cater the experience to your needs, but these things are beyond realistic when it comes to the experience you have, more so than I would have ever thought. I'm getting nervous just thinking about trying to cross that bridge. Me too. I was sitting here, I was like, geez. No, you've got to try it, and it's, it's terrifying. And part of this little exercise that we did is once you got across the bridge, you went into a room where the floor was falling out, and so a tile of the room that you were standing in falls 200 feet down, and you could see it getting smaller as it goes down, and then another tile falls, and you're trying to hop from tile to tile and not be on one of the tiles that falls through. And for some reason, you feel like you're doomed if the tile that you're standing on, the virtual tile, mind you, were to fall through. I mean, it's that realistic. Yeah, that's a whole lot of nope for me. Yeah, hard pass. Yeah. Hard pass. <laughs> where were what, what? No, never mind. That, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> where was this? Whatever you were doing. No, it was at a uh, an Adobe Max conference in Los Angeles where they had a whole huge area where you've got to experience these things. And for most people, because it was a few years ago, for most people, it was their very first time putting on a VR headset. And talk about a great first impression. Actually, in the article, they do call out using VR and AR to help conquer phobias. Like oh, you were yeah. just talking about. phobia, for example. Yeah, they had the oh, spider boy. example in there. Nope. Yeah, it was horrifying. Where somebody who had a real fear of spiders could go into this experience and help them overcome it. I think that was my favorite part of this 41-page report. Because <laughs> it described in pretty great detail... The first interaction you have in the virtual environment is that you see a spider and you want to maybe get closer to it. It's in a kitchen and you need to walk towards it. And then you get a little more brave as the sessions go on. And now you have to pick up a container that's full of spiders and you have to pick up an actual oh, virtual spider. And then at the end, and we're talking, I think, four one-hour sessions that got you to this point, the point of okay, we're going to have you pick up a spider virtually, but also physically. So yeah. you have like a hairy tarantula 
fake spider on the table. In the virtual world that you're looking at, there's also a tarantula, a living tarantula, and you're picking up that fake tarantula and interacting with that physical and virtual spider all at the same time. And they said that the the results are pretty, pretty fantastic because you gradually get to that point. And even though you know it's fake and you know that it's all simulated, it does help you conquer the phobia. There's a section later on in the paper which talks about the virtual reality and exposure therapy and making people exposed to things that they aren't necessarily comfortable with and how they can make themselves better people, one of which is, say, public speaking, right? So put on a pair of goggles, you stand in front of absolutely nothing, but then you're there, you're feeling the audience, you're hearing the noise in an area. I mean, I found that to be really exciting, too, and how that can essentially relate back into business transformation. Yeah, the applications are growing. I mean, we're finding more and more uses for for this technology, whereas 10 years ago, it was kind of more of a gaming thing. It was more of a, uh, hey, cool factor, check this out. It puts you in an environment, maybe get on a roller coaster and ride it. Those things are great, and they still have application, but the applications have come a long way from a decade ago, which is great. One thing that I saw at a show was that they showed a simulation of miners learning how to use expensive mining equipment. And before, they would have to send all the new hire miners to a, a mine in Australia for four weeks and they'd have to put them in front of multi-million dollar pieces of equipment. So now it ties up the equipment and you have all that travel expense and everything. And they said, you know what, we can eliminate three of those weeks and do it in a classroom with virtual reality. So they have these gloves and they have the headsets on and these people are interacting with each other in real time, working on this expensive mining equipment virtually and they can get 75% of their training done in the virtual environment, and then only spend 25% of their time on the actual expensive equipment and reduce travel, yada, yada, yada. And next thing you know, you've got a reduction in cost that's quite significant. Chuck, great example with the, the Australian mining company. What I'm curious, and this is mostly just because I don't understand nearly as much as I'd like to in this area, is Carl, are there any studies or anything you're aware of where somebody's been able to say that VR and AR just isn't as real as the real thing? I'm interested in your perspective as to how real is real enough to justify that the training is actually working. So there isn't a lot of data yet to back up the effectiveness of AR and VR training things, this kind of stuff we're talking about. And they call that out very clearly in this article, actually. If you think about the cost of to actually, like Chuck said, send those miners out or to put somebody in a burning building where they actually endanger their lives or maybe not something as severe, but where you have to spend money to put them through a real training experience versus um, building up uh, a virtual reality or an augmented reality experience where they can get 80% of the experience, you know, 70% of the experience, you're getting pretty darn close. It might not be 100% real, but I think it's very easy to justify the cost of getting your training up to a particular point without having to send people all over the country or put them in burning buildings or, or your example a minute ago about public speaking. It'd be great if you could stand in front of a room of 100 people and give a speech, but for that's practice, for but practice, yeah. but that's expensive. I don't think that, at least not yet, the virtual environments are going to ever be as real as the real life environments. I think they're going to get close, pretty, pretty stinking close. In fact, there are benefits to the virtual environment that you are not going to get in the physical environment. But there are things that are happening like with the touch and feel. One example being a chainsaw, a virtual chainsaw that actually gives you resistance as you 
are trying to cut through the trunk of a tree, haptic feedback to where you're feeling the vibration. There are a number of things that can be done to simulate real-world experiences even further beyond the audio and the visual components of the, the VR and AR. So, Curtis, I'm not sure of any data, and I don't think there is data yet, but from what I can tell, we're getting closer and closer to kind of a perfect experience considering cost and everything that's included. So could it replace certain things entirely? Maybe some, but probably not everything. For example, the miners with the heavy equipment, they probably have to get certified with the actual physical equipment. They can't fully pass their test in the virtual environment because they do need to kind of prove themselves in the physical environment. And maybe that's just the last sliver of their training is to get onto the actual machine, turn those actual knobs and pull those actual levers. So I think the answer might be, at least right now, it's a case-by-case thing, right? A little bit of everything. Or maybe we're looking at it wrong. Maybe these tools we're talking about will never replace certain training. It's just going to help enhance them. Yeah. Chuck, you mentioned being at Adobe Max where you saw that spider thing or maybe the walking across the rope bridge or something like that. Carl, in your expertise or in your experience thus far, where have you seen successful examples of this, even in a test environment? Where have you started to see these things and what kind of applications are they are they accomplishing? I think the most successful one, I haven't experienced it directly, but the most successful one I've heard about was the training we talked about a little bit ago where if a shooter comes in or I'm being robbed, the information that came from the customer on that, they had very high success rates and very high retention and the training of what the employee is supposed to do in that scenario. Now, on a consumer product side, there are a ton of different things that are happening right now. And I think that's probably the first place that this technology is really going to excel. For example, if you have a cereal box that comes to life if you put a smartphone in front of it. My kids, for example, as a promotion for How to Train Your Dragon 3, they came out with a thing where Toothless, the main dragon, can sit in your bedroom and lick its lips and sneeze and move around. And I put that on my iPad and I went into my kid's room and it looked like he was sitting there amongst all their toys in their bedroom. And my kids kept looking behind the iPad and in front of the iPad, back and forth, back and forth. They kept reaching for the dragon. It was so convincing, and it was a great promotional piece for the film. Uh, cereal box, if you are sitting there eating breakfast and you have a smart device, and the character on the box now talks to you, comes alive, is animated, pops out of the box, that's a great promotional thing for the cereal company. One example that's really cool and it's one we recently experienced firsthand with one of our customers, is the wine company, 19 Crimes. It's a guy who, I think he was a reformed criminal. He made a line of wines, and each of the bottles has a different criminal on it with the history of the criminal, and it comes alive when you use the virtual reality app, or the augmented reality app, rather. So you can have this portrait of a criminal on the label come to life, tell you about his crime, and then if you put two bottles next to each other, they can interact with each other. So now you've got a wine company using this technology to get attention. It's a cool factor, and my guess is their numbers have shot up. Well, I mean, yeah, it's anything to create a memorable experience, right? We live in a day and age where, not to quote one of my favorite people on Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful, when you don't have barriers to entry, how hard is it to compete? It's very easy, actually, to compete. So in that essence, they found a thing that would be cool 
that perhaps it was inexpensive to develop, perhaps it was very expensive to develop, but at the end of the day, that's kind of their signature thing. That's it their, sets them apart. It sets them apart. So when I walk into, say, that liquor store to go look, and I see a, a high-level video above it talking about the AR and VR aspects of what I'm about to buy, and of course, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to play with it. I want to make sure it's going to work. But of course, on the flip side, now putting myself in the shoes of the store owner or the store manager, I've got to make sure that I have the tools necessary to make sure that experience is seamless. Because I remember I was with you on that visit, and the guy the, the guy who was a store manager was trying to show us how to get it to work. And he must have stood there for three or four minutes waiting for his network to catch up to make it work. And then once he did make it work, granted, it was a very cool experience. But once he got that network, he had to wait those three or four minutes for his network to, to, to catch up. And so... Um, you've got to make sure you've obviously got to have the systems in place to make sure that if you are going to try and deliver this, you've got to have the network to substantiate it. And the technology is still early, so there are plenty of stumbling blocks to kind of figure out. They're trying to streamline a lot of this stuff, and Android has their own kind of proprietary, albeit open source, approach. And iOS has a AR kit, and there are different things that are happening right now to help that experience be less problematic, right? But we're still not there yet. We're still kind of early on. Like Curtis said, you need to have all the pieces in place and hope, cross your fingers that they all, they work out okay. Because sometimes it just doesn't work. And I think like any technology, you know, we'll get there. Yeah. I think we're up against a little bit of our time window with you, Carl. Any other final words and your recommendation to listeners about maybe a good place to start if they're thinking about AR, VR? What you guys were just talking about with the branding and the wine. Usually I have to drink the wine before the guy in the bottle talks to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... It's all part of engagement. You know, you're engaging your customers in this. And then that's another side to training and learning. It's all about engaging your employees and making them feel like they're part of something. So it doesn't have to be all about training scenarios. It could be something as simple as doing something cool where you show them the logo or it's something animated that they could show their customers. Training and learning, which was my focus, isn't just about training and learning. It's about employee engagement. And these are awesome tools that can extend into that realm as well. So, Carl, putting my business hat on for a second, if somebody wanted to try this, where would they go to start something like this? There's a million different technologies out there. The first thing you really need to define is what you're trying to accomplish. Are you trying to boost employee engagement? Are you trying to reinforce a particular message for training? That's so critical is to define that first before you start spending thousands of dollars on a development kit or something like that. But once you have that, I don't know. In terms of hardware, what comes to mind is that there are kind of different levels of of hardware. You've got the high-end expensive Oculus Rift, for example, which has come down in price tremendously, but you are required to have a dedicated PC with a lot of video graphics capabilities and, and a lot of processing power, and it's got to kind of be a custom thing. You've got uh, sensors in the room or cameras. You've got cables that are connected to the headset to battery packs on your back and this and that and the other. So you have kind of the high-end experience. You need a relatively large space. You need to dedicate kind of a whole room to this experience. The capabilities are really fantastic, but then you're into it a few thousand dollars and you're kind of stuck in one room. It's hard to move all of this. And then the next level down, you have something where it's kind of an all-inclusive headset, like the Oculus Go, for example, which is a popular device that starts at 199 you don't need a computer. The computer is built in. You don't need to put your phone in it. You have one wand that comes with it so you can interact with your hand for 200 bucks. something that we would not have even imagined five years ago is now 
on the shelf at Best Buy. And then at the kind of the bottom level, Google was really smart in saying, hey, we want VR to be in the hands of everybody, even the poor kid in a poor country. If you have a smartphone, you put it into literally a cardboard headset that they designed or a third-party plastic, any sort of inexpensive headset where your smartphone slides in the front of the headset and then you run the virtual reality Google cardboard apps and it takes advantage of the gyroscope and everything in your phone and you have a virtual reality experience with a phone in your pocket. So there are options to your point, Carl, there are a million different options right now, but those are kind of the three levels that you might want to look into if you're getting interested. My personal favorite is kind of that middle tier where you don't have to tether your headset, you don't have to have a dedicated computer, and it's very portable. It doesn't require sensors being mounted in the corners of the rooms, and it's got fewer capabilities, but still impressive nonetheless. And I I have a couple of those cardboard headsets all over my house. I just got a Pixel 3a, so there's a ton of VR and AR tools built into the platform, so I'm dropping this thing into a headset all the time, switching back and forth. It's kind of exciting how easy and accessible it's getting. You know, and iOS with their AR kit, they've come a long way, and there are a lot of built-in capabilities throughout the operating system, but i got to hand it to you, the Google Pixel phones, the recent ones, have really, really cool things just kind of natively built in, and it's been very impressive. So for what it's worth. Bring this all back into our topic from today. We're now talking about AR and VR being a reality for virtually any company who wants to try this and make their training potentially more effective and more within reach. So, guys, I think that wraps up our window for today. And I'd like to obviously thank Carl for your expertise and your insight and Chuck as well. Thank you for your time. And our friends over at the eLearning Guild for sharing this article with us, the Augmented and Virtual Reality for Behavior Change article. Certainly great insight there. If you feel so inclined, go and download that research report. It's very, very insightful on how you can potentially roll these things into your organization. Again, thank you for joining another episode of the Digital Transformation of Business podcast. Thanks, and we look forward to hearing you on another episode. (laughs) 